Hello, everyone, and welcome. I'm Molly Rowan Leach, your host for this very special edition podcast from the European Forum Restorative Justice Conference in Pamplona, Spain. We are speaking in this special edition with Petra Masopust Sachova, who is the secretary of the European Forum for Restorative Justice. Uh, board member, of course, and she's a lawyer, academic, and researcher who strives for the broad involvement of restorative justice in Czech criminal law, both at the theoretical level and, of course, in practice. She co-funded and recently works as a chairperson of the Czech Institute for Restorative Justice and as a lecturer at the Department of Criminal Law of the Law Faculty of Palatsky Universitat in Olomouc, where she introduced the first restorative justice course for law students in that beautiful country. She also acts as a coordinator of the Czech core member team of Restorative Justice Strategies for Change project and as a professional guarantor of the Building Bridges program run by Prison Fellowship Czech Republic. She is the author of the first Czech comprehensive book on RJ, Restorative Approaches When Dealing with Crime. She holds a master's degree from the law faculty, Charles University in Prague, and a PhD from the law faculty, Masaryk University in Brno. To learn more about Petra's work, uh, you can look her up on the euforumrj.org website as a board member under the About Us tab, and certainly encouraging you to check out more about the European Forum for Restorative Justice in general. That's euforumrj.org. And you can check out their upcoming events, including the the next international conference in late May 2024 in Estonia. To hear, if you're willing, a bit about what inspired you to enter the field of restorative justice and if you would just share with us some insights about um, what that means to you, like what, what, what occurred for you to want to do this kind of work? Mm. Well, um, uh, I, yeah, it came, the whole topic uh, came to me when I was still studying law. And for me, as a law student in those days, it was kind of difficult to feel what's the right place for me. And uh, for me, it's really important that uh, uh, my whole personality feels that it's right and that I feel uh, the purpose of what I do. So I was really lucky that uh, actually restorative justice found myself (laughs) in that moment. And um, that it really gave sense uh, to what how I was approaching law and uh, what what the, what actually I, I could see in the future that I can be doing. So it was more for me like uh, even though I'm a lawyer, sometimes I'm struggling with the rules. Like rules are sometimes difficult concept for me if I do not really believe in them and do not see the sense in them. So uh, restorative justice was very helpful in that way that uh, it showed me a new way how I can 
uh, be approaching law. Mm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so, the, you know, everybody has um, been discussing during this conference about policy. And um, I just, I know that we wanted to cover a little bit more deeply about that theme from this symposium. And uh, you want to just give us your thoughts about what you witnessed and heard and any core themes in, in response to that call for uh, distilling, you know, some principles and values around policy as it relates to RJ, mm. restorative justice. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Um, as I said, like for me, it's really important from the legal perspective that uh, we really look for the ways, not just like how to work with the outcomes of restorative programs in the criminal proceedings, but we uh, try to dig for um, restorative principles and really try to change in that way the concept of law, how we are especially criminal law, how we are approaching it. And so I want to inter interrupt you, if you don't mind. Um, for our listeners, you've, you've shared that, that uh, terminology, restorative principles. Mm -hmm. So for those who may just be coming in new to the field, um, and also just what does it mean to you? What are, the, what are those restorative principles mm -hmm. that you have spoken to yeah. today? Yeah, so like the three lines we are working with, are really that the, that the criminal proceedings shall add to the line to find and punish the offender, the, um, uh, the principle of uh, fulfilling uh, victim needs, uh, the principle of supporting the offender in accepting the responsibility, and whatever deciding in the criminal proceedings to support him in that way, as well in his reintegration into the society and looking for better ways for his future life, and also allowing the participation of the parties on the criminal proceedings via the restorative programs or even uh, outside the restorative program. So like allow them to be part on the criminal proceedings mm -hmm. and that the voices of the victims are heard. Mm -hmm. That I think is very crucial and uh, that they really achieve some, or uh, like that they get out of the proceedings some kind of, um, uh, now I forgot the English word. Well, that's okay. Yeah, yeah. A sense of justice. Re restitution. Yeah, sense of resolution. Justice. justice. Yeah. Yes. Okay. For me, it's a change. Uh, yeah, like really a justice that it that it was just that they were heard mm -hmm. and um, uh, that it was that I think that uh, like restorative justice can really be helpful uh, in healing in the mm -hmm. process of healing. Mm -hmm. And in the same time, I think so can be also the criminal proceedings if we approach it and proceed it in a restorative mm -hmm. way. Mm -hmm. And for me, there is crucial really the aspect of respect mm -hmm. 
and how we communicate mm-hmm. with the people inside the justice, how we really talk to them, because when we were speaking with judges and we heard the stories of the victims, like this is so crucial. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I am very often giving this example of uh, uh, what just a small story that told me uh, a, a colleague judge he said like it was a case of very minor debt and it can be proceeded even without a hearing mm-hmm. decided based on uh, evidences in paper without seeing anybody and he just decided to open it for the hearing to invite the parties and to ask uh, the victim like uh, because the death was about a wallet and it was an older woman and he asked like um, what was the biggest or what was the biggest harm or why it was so painful for you and she said like I don't care about the wallet I don't care about the money I don't care about the document but I do care about the photo of my dead daughter which was the last one that I have and I do not have any other and in that moment the young guy on the side of the offender just realized that it's not just a word that mm-hmm. he really interrupted someone's mm-hmm. life mm-hmm. and he got much more out of it mm-hmm. and just like you know like don't talking about it at all it mm-hmm. was like for him this information mm-hmm. was crucial in the process like to see what really happened and that context that is often unseen appears to be universally, at least on, you know, on, on earth, uh, restorative justice practitioners and programs all over the world. That is a very common factor of the case for restorative justice because it allows when it's well facilitated and well held for the unseen to come to the surface mm-hmm. in a good way, mm-hmm. like in a in a uh, hopefully safely held manner, mm-hmm. um, that that people can be authentic, mm-hmm. that um, the stories can come out, mm-hmm. that there's a sense of safety to do that, yeah. and that's not a small task yeah. for facilitators. Mm-hmm. Now, um, do you have any ins- anything you want to share with people around? if they want to become facilitators, whether in the Czech Republic or um, worldwide, what would you recommend? How, what's, what's the process in the Czech Republic, for example? Um, how do people get involved? How do people get involved? Okay, so as I said, like, uh, because we have different ways how you can set up an RJ program, because... Uh, First, it can be done by the state institution, probation and mediation service. That is, its work is mostly related to the minor crimes. But the law foresees that also the other uh, organizations can step in. So NGOs can mm-hmm. set up their programs mm-hmm. without any limitation, actually. Mm-hmm. And that's this situation has advantages and also risks. So it means that for mm-hmm. the moment, uh, there is a little, um, uh, little um, 
activity from the side of the state to really control the quality, mm -hmm. uh, to support um, uh, this work with sufficient uh, money, mm -hmm. and uh, really to define what the programs are, mm -hmm. what are the rules, what shall be the training, there is nothing. So it helps to really start it and develop new programs, uh, especially, as I say, for the more, more, more serious crimes, mm -hmm. for uh, different stages of the proceedings. Mm -hmm. So, for example, we do not have really like mediation suitable uh, for the moment uh, for the prisons. So mm -hmm. that's something we are over just now starting with and hopefully will be able uh, mm -hmm. from the fall to uh, to pilot a project for the mediations in the prison system. Mm, excellent. So this mm -hmm. is like now for us it's a transformative moment mm -hmm. in the in the uh, in uh, for the services uh -huh. because they are different ways how they can be set up. That's right. Yeah. Thank you for making that point. Uh, mm -hmm. It's very important to to remember that restorative justice can happen at any um, linear moment within the entire process of a yeah. criminal case, including post adjudication. Yes, exactly. Um, when there's an incarcerated person, and uh, you know that that doesn't mean it's over and done. You can still um, implement restorative justice, and that's what you're saying, right? Like if there's going to be programs in the Czech Republic mm -hmm. in prisons mm -hmm. at this point. Mm -hmm. That's really good news. Mm -hmm. Would you like to say anything about the Institute for Pro Restorativni Justi? Yeah, the Czech word for, <laughs> for the listeners. I'm trying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The Czech language is so beautiful. I love it. <laughs> so sweet. Um, well, uh, yeah, it was uh, because, uh, like, uh, in the moment when it was funded, I was. Uh, uh, I was um, uh, active in the academic field. Mm -hmm. I was like on the criminal law department uh, of one of the law faculties we have uh, in the Czech Republic. And I was teaching criminal law and I created the first course for lawyers on restorative justice. And um, I was uh, all the time like thinking, okay, we need to get the topic out of the academic field into the practice and mm -hmm. really start to work with it. Mm -hmm. And uh, mm -hmm. for years I was in contact with several NGOs and I was trying to convince them to take that role, mm -hmm. but nobody really wanted. But I knew that it's a hard job to run the NGO, so I was uh, hoping <laughs> I will persuade somebody. But it did not work. <laughs> so you took it on. <laughs> Let me guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Life is working. <laughs> so uh, life goes on around us yeah, here yeah. in Pamplona. It's, uh, uh, it's very it's, alive. So could you please share for our listeners? Uh, how to find out more about the Institute Yeah, right now. So uh, maybe I will just say that uh, we, with the Institute, so it was how it was funded, uh, founded, but uh, for us it was uh, important to really uh, set up the activities uh, in the way that uh, they are helping to transform uh, the mindset and uh, to bring the practices inside. So we are really working on three lines. 
the one is on systemic change. Mm -hmm. uh, the second one is on education and awareness. And the third one is on promoting restorative programs. Mm -hmm. And so we like combine all those three lines together. And uh, uh, for us, like uh, they really make sense uh, in trying to achieve uh, some deeper systemic change. And um, uh, yeah. And so thank you so much for that. I, uh, just for clarity, mm -hmm. um, the Institute is, it sounds like a very critical organization, uh, NGO organization that has been established in order to do those threefold, um, mm -hmm. prime areas of focus that are critical, um, to advocacy and awareness building for citizens, right? as well as for th those within the systems, mm -hmm. as well as um, are you offering services or are you getting behind mm -hmm. the organizations that are actually facilitating yeah. these processes? Yeah. Could you make that distinction? Okay. For the moment, we are not offering services because we knew we have to start on a different place. Mm -hmm. From the experience we have, we knew that the services when they are not rooted in some RJ ground, mm -hmm. uh, it's not going to, to really lead to some systemic change. Mm -hmm. So we had to uh, start from a different corner and uh, like st start to build the ground on mm -hmm. which the programs can be set up. Uh, so for this reason, we really started like with creating the strategy I described to creating the network of the restorative platform. And for the moment, uh, uh, in regard to the services, um, we came with the idea uh, that um, we really want to support the NGOs to do their work. We have many NGOs focusing on specific topics. And in, from our point of view, uh, uh, it's uh, crucial that uh, as so many stakeholders can take part on this on promotion and restorative justice and even like the, they are the experts having the knowledge like in relationship to the hate crime sexual and domestic violence mm -hmm. like various mm -hmm. areas so uh, we uh, now uh, we created um, a training program for uh, different um, uh, repre uh, re for representatives of different NGOs mm -hmm. and uh, uh, we are hoping that after this training we, and together with them we will try to pilot uh, the mediation in the prison service and in the same time we are hoping that they will uh, take the restorative principles mm -hmm. uh, inside their organizations and hopefully set up also mm -hmm. in the future the RJ programs. Mm -hmm. So we just want to be someone who is like supporting the others. I'm not saying we will not run any mm -hmm. RJ program, but for us it's crucial to really support the others mm -hmm. in the way that we are achieving or uh, um, coming closer to the goal that RJ programs are accessible to anybody who needs them. Excellent, and also true to principle and values 
and before implementation, having that foundation is incredibly important. And actually, that's a worldwide edge, if I must observe or say um, humbly, that I've noticed is that we often are um, putting a lot of money towards programs in the United States, at least. I can't speak for everywhere, but that there's a lot of money put into programs that are only kind of half restorative mm -hmm. at best. Mm -hmm. um, so I really appreciate and value that you've taken such care and time to not only consider the input in an authentic way of your cross-professional colleagues, but also are doing this in a manner that's very thoughtful. Yeah. I think that's very important for yeah. this field to move forward in, in a way that's true to what it truly is, which is still debatable yeah. from individual to individual at times, right? Um, what would you like to say to your fellow attorneys um, in practice that might be listening in? Uh, I'm sure you're there listening to this, being inspired by Petra's work. Um, I love it. You're, it's an extraordinary position for you to be in, um, to have that law experience mm -hmm. um, and all that you've done, and then to advocate for RJ. So what would you like to share to your fellow colleagues in the field in we, that particular topic? In that particular topic, uh, I, I will be referring to what I said previously, that I think that uh, taking the topic further uh, and um, the crucial for me on the way and in the process was really stick to the restorative principles, to the dialogue, to really sharing uh, the perspectives and looking for our own way, how to do it restoratively. And in the same time, what I think is crucial, and that was our uh, like organizational claim in the last uh, months, uh, is to live restoratively. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't mean that we just do work about restorative yeah, justice, right. but we take it also inside. As and, a personal uh, practice. On a personal yeah. level. Mm -hmm. And I have to say, to have this uh, inner dialogue with yourself and uh, looking like uh, for what's really inside. Mm -hmm. that we, I was thinking like we are asking the people to talk about difficult things. Yeah. To yeah, open yeah. up. Right. To, to show to, to come up uh, kind of naked in right. the dialogue, and we were just thinking, you know, like we are asking the others, yeah. but do we do the same work uh, within ourselves? Yeah. So for us, uh, it was like really to uh, uh, the, the claim was uh, like to live restoratively in a dialogue, in a courage. Um, and honesty mm -hmm. to our own self. Mm. I love that. Thank you for illuminating that point because this uh, this is more than just uh, an outward practice that we do for others. Mm. Yeah, if I'm hearing you correctly. Yeah. Um, all right, I'm going to ask you a scary question. Okay. Uh, difficult questions are important. There are some attorneys and law professionals that might feel threatened by restorative justice, right? They, they might feel like it takes um, their work away. What, what would you say to that as an attorney yourself? 
like? <clears throat> it's a it's a difficult question. <laughs> it's a good one though, no? <laughs> you save it for the end, right? <laughs> no, I mean like, you know, like we see that the approach is changing. So uh, we see that people can, like even the attorneys, like in our like network, there are several attorneys and it's important to, uh, to really uh, open up the dialogue also with them. And uh, uh, I think that so many fears can be just like, uh, when you talk about it, they can just in some point go away or you find some way how to, how to deal mm -hmm. with it. So that's one way. The other thing is that, um, uh, especially on the academic level, for a woman to deal with this topic, not easy. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I have to say, <laughs> that's not a good claim on the end. Sometimes the honest dialogue is not working for the moment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So sometimes, like... Um, it was uh, difficult for me to see that uh, not just like uh, that, like promoting those things and trying to change it can also like at attracts like people who just don't really want you there, mm -hmm. and it's it's difficult mm -hmm. to deal with it and yeah. Uh, uh, I had several experiences this year, mm -hmm. and uh, it was just uh, it, it for me those were very important life life lessons, mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. what you can encounter mm -hmm. when uh, somebody feels threatened, not like from the perspective of a professional in some role, but mm -hmm. more personally feeling. Mm -hmm threatened mm -hmm. by the topic. Hmm. I Thank don't you. know if you want I, to end up with that. that no, we're not going to end there. <laughs> but I, I really appreciate you being willing to uh, broach that subject because I think it is one of the biggies uh, around kind of crossing the bridge from the attorney mindset for some to perhaps like a, a transformational mm. attorney. Mm. an advocate attorney mm. so the, the just the simple shift from positional awareness of the traditional role mm. that isn't that different in many ways mm -hmm. you're still very much an official getting an income mm -hmm. but perhaps you're taking on um, the opportunity to consider that you can be an advocate for uh, these processes mm. in a way that isn't that different in in some aspects mm. but but also very different mm. Mm. i i don't have all the answers either so <laughs> i appreciate you though um approaching that and i i'd love to conclude today um to invite you if you have anything that you'd like to make known about uh an area that we didn't cover in this conversation and also anything about this incredible symposium that you were an integral part of mm -hmm. as a member of the EFRJ mm -hmm. and its board, right? Mm -hmm. you've, you've served on the board yeah. for yeah. some time. Yeah. So what, what are you, what's on your mind before you take your vacations mm -hmm. this summer? Mm -hmm. 
Okay, so maybe I would say one more thing about like how I approach restorative justice, how I, I met restorative justice, because it's also connected uh, where I am now and uh, what was happening, like why I'm here and why we were having those wonderful discussions in the last days. Because like when I found out, uh, when I found the topic, like the first place where I learned about restorative justice when writing my thesis, uh, I went on the Eastern Mennonite University, uh, Summer Peace Building Institute. Oh, excellent. And in those days, still Howard there was teaching. Right, right. And John Paul Lederach. And uh -huh. those were like two very crucial courses that I mm -hmm. took. And um, in that way, when I'm describing this experience, like for me, it was important that I learned that it's not really about uh, information. Of course, informations are important, but like the way how I was taught restorative justice, it was just, I, it, I really felt it, mm. what it means. Mm -hmm. And sometimes this is difficult, like to uh, to uh, let the like if I'm teaching my students to and really trying that they experience mm -hmm. this uh, in their heart, not just mind, but heart. Yes. What yeah. does it mean, restorative? Yes. And that's um, so. That time when I was uh, in the Eastern Mennonite University was really crucial for me. It's already 15 years ago, and uh, uh, and then uh, like when I came back and started to work with the topic, like uh, European Forum for Restorative Justice was like something that extremely helped me, knowing mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. in like in Europe there mm -hmm. are people who are striving for the same, and that in your back you have such supporters, company, friends mm -hmm. who are wishing to, for the same, to achieve the same, to change like the way how we live, how we deal with the crime, what we really want uh, that happens when the crime occurs. Mm -hmm. That was something that uh, was extremely helpful for me not to feel alone and mm -hmm. to feel that they are, uh, that the others are there as well. So, like, I, I always felt like that, um, for me, in that sense, uh, European Forum for Restorative uh, Justice was a crucial organization, and uh, I'm so happy that I can give back uh, with, for, for the last years being on the, as a board member and secretary mm. of the mm -hmm. forum, and uh, to give back also my experience like running the organization also mm. inside uh, the forum. Mm. Well, it was definitely an incredible symposium. Uh, my first time at an EFRJ mm -hmm. symposium, in fact, and it was extraordinary to meet all of you and to witness um, the specificity and consciousness and the professionalism as well. Because there's room for all of that, mm -hmm. I believe. But I really appreciate your time today. I know um, it's been a long day, a long <laughs> couple days for you. And I just want to encourage our listeners to um, please check out more about the European Forum for Restorative Justice. There's a lot going on, ongoing, 
including webinars, uh, working group information, pamphlets that are reports out of the working groups. All of that is available at the website, which I believe is euroforumrj.org. I believe that's correct, um, EFRJ. And for the Institute Pro Ristorativni Justici, uh, IRJ, in the Czech Republic, you can check out their website at Ristorativni, that's Ristorativni-justice.cz. And once again, Petra, thank you so much for your time today. This has been a very special on-the-ground podcast, Restorative Justice on the Rise. Uh, it's been a pleasure to be your host today, Petra, and to our listeners, to you. Thank you so much for supporting us over the past 12 years. Thank you.